0: When I say I wasn't confident in that I was gay for a long time after coming out, it wasn't with myself. It was I was always nervous of how someone was going to react.
1: I said I wasn't gonna cry, man. I think that there's a really unhealthy obsession with people's sexuality and gender identity and all of it. I'm sure there's some straight couples out there that are doing way freakier
0: stuff in the sheets than you and I that we should be concerned about, you know? You want to know something. (laughs) We should be praying for their
1: souls. (laughs) Good morning and welcome back to another episode of Tangents with Tyler and Todd. I'm Tyler. And I'm Todd. And we're having a really good day today because it's the first
0: day of our peppermint mocha coffee season, yeah. which is a pretty big deal for us right now. Yeah, I don't know if you've ever had it before, but it's this creamer that comes out. We had pumpkin spice up until last week and now we've switched over to holiday cheer and it's just so yummy. It's like
1: a candy cane for adults. Yeah. It, well, it tastes, that's exactly what it tastes like, like a melted candy cane in your coffee. And it's definitely not good for you. It's super high in sugar, but it just gives me that like pep that I need right now.
0: And calories don't count till January. Every dietitian says that so (laughs) that's what we're going with (laughs) Anyway, I feel like we're already started off on a little bit of a tangent. Today, we wanted to talk about a question that I feel a lot of people in the LGBTQ plus community get asked. Yeah, or have to deal with. Yeah, and it's kind of like, how did you know you were gay? When did you know? What was your coming out story? All those types of things about the experience of growing up gay
1: and the journey to figuring out what that is. Yeah, I mean, it's something that we've had to kind of come to terms with our whole life. Like, people always are asking... Wait, you didn't wake up gay one day? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of people that believe that. I am definitely from the camp of I was 100% born this way. Not to kind of get too far ahead of ourselves, but there's just no logical justification of why someone would choose to have a more difficult path in life because for all of the reasons that I'm so proud to be gay and I wouldn't change it for the world, make no mistake, it is a very, very much more difficult path to take.
0: Yeah, exactly. And like we can only share from our experiences because I think everyone goes through this process and part of our lives, completely different. Like my journey to find out that I was gay is different than your journey was. And no two stories are the
1: same. Yeah. I think that's the beautiful thing about this community is while there is very much a shared experience, it's also everyone's story is so unique and so beautiful in its own way. And also tragic. A lot of stories are you and I, we have an incredible amount of privilege of being from supportive families, even though we didn't necessarily know that our parents would be supportive. And both of them kind of took time in their own way. There are people that are in very dangerous situations in their home life.
0: Yeah, exactly. So let's kind of go back to the beginning. Yeah. And what was it like for little gay boy Tyler growing up in rural
1: <laughs> Newfoundland? Well, it um, wasn't good to be like right off the hop. I grew up in a really, really small community called Happy Valley Goose Bay, Labrador. Yes, you heard that, right?
0: I know, the name is so weird. It's so Happy weird. Valley Goose Bay. I feel like it should be Happy Goose Valley Bay. And that's because it's a happy goose in the valley by the bay. I mean, you can take that up
1: with the mayor. I feel like- got <laughs> <He's laughs>
0: in a strongly worded letter on Monday. <laughs>
1: Stay tuned for uh, Todd's letter. <laughs> But yeah, like it's, it was a town of 6,500 people in a very remote Northern community. So just to give you some perspective, the only real way in was by boat or air. You could technically drive if you wanted, but it was a dirt road highway that the nearest community to there, that was a city of like 10,000 people. It was called Lab City. And that was like a six hour drive, just to kind of give you the idea of how remote it was. Very remote. And that experience of growing up in such a remote place really does lend itself to a heightened level of homophobia. And there was a lot of religion in the community that I grew up in. Even though my family wasn't necessarily religious, I was constantly going to school with people that were. And it was a really difficult experience because I never felt accepted. I was constantly ridiculed and made fun of. This is sort of like a trigger word for a lot of people, but the term I, there was a period of probably five years of my life, maybe like grade six to grade 11, where I heard that word every single day. That was my experience. And it was, it was very difficult. Like, there's just no way around it. But the ability for me to get through that and know that I'm going to leave this town behind, I don't know that had had I not been grown up gay in a community like that, I don't know that I would have had that hunger to get out and to create something more for myself. I totally get what you mean, because yeah. for me, I had a completely
0: different experience. I grew up, sure, in a small town, but we were like a bedroom community. So a lot of the families here, the parents worked in the city. Mm-hmm. So I think being exposed to a city, it was very open here, like the... I had actually moved to the city and was in second year university. And that was the first time anyone had ever like said that word to me. Yeah. And it was a completely different experience for me having that hate so late in life. So it sounds weird to say, but I've always found it very fascinating that like it was hard what you went through, but at the same time, it built such a resilience in you that yeah. I had to work harder later in life. And I find I'm still struggling with that balance Yeah, where like people can yell whatever they want at you and you, nothing, like you just keep going. Whereas like me, I just like, <laughs> and like shut yeah. down.
1: I, yeah, I mean, I totally agree. Like we're kind of jumping around here, but <laughs> you're your, I can think of instances in our 20s, where we did experience homophobia. Remember when we went to that carnival in yeah. Alberta? So we lived in
0: a small town. We lived in Edmonton, but as we were fixing up properties, we would move into them and then fix it up and move on to the next one. So one of the properties was located in a small town just outside of Edmonton. And we went to the local um, like fair that they have every spring. And we were just having a really nice Day like we walked around, we went to the beer garden and we were weren't having beer. Obviously, we were having coolers.
1: Yeah, we had coolers <laughs> and just sat at a picnic table by ourselves. And I mean, it's difficult if you have no like perception of what Alberta is like. But think of like a really small town in Texas. If it's if farming, I, like it's it, yeah, that's an and, and oil. But it's yeah. very, very blue collar.
0: Cowboy hats.
1: A lot of trucks. A lot of trucks. A lot of trucks. (laughs) (laughs) Rough and tumble kind of thing. So like Todd and I Let's be honest. We yeah. we stuck out like a Scootin sore Scooting in with our Prius. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Having a couple coolers on the table. Hey, thing. boys. We're here for the fair. <laughs> anyway, we were really, really enjoying our day. And then it started to get dark. And then they had all of these different amusement park rides. They had Ferris wheels. skipped.
0: And- it happened first at the beer garden. Oh, yeah. That's true. It happened once. That one Someone wasn't as bad, us. though. It
1: wasn't as bad,
0: but then we were like, "Okay, we're just gonna go." So we went, and we were walking through the rides, and it was—I—they weren't even that old. I would put them as like late teens, early twenties, yeah. and they were just nonstop about us and pointing and like relentless
1: to the point where we had to leave because we were worried about our safety. But the the reason that we're talking about that story to begin with is. That was devastating for you. Oh, yeah. Can I say one thing
0: that was amazing, though, from that? And I took it, we still have it with us. It's um over on the shelf. But we shared about what had happened and people had seen it. And the oh, next yeah. morning, there was a painted rock on the, um on the front step of our house, and it said shine bright. And it was just so beautiful. And like, meant a lot. So we actually still have that rock. I'm looking at it right now over on the shelf and it'll
1: always be with us because it
0: is kind of that reminder to like shine bright no matter when someone's trying to darken you.
1: Yeah. And like there are going to be homophobic people anywhere and everywhere. Like it's just it's not something that you can escape. And as the years go on, of course, there are fewer and fewer people that are homophobic, although lately it doesn't really feel that way. I feel like there's a kind of like a a, a I, swelling of it. But I think it was always there. I think it became
0: inappropriate to say it, but it's now becoming more accepted to say it. And I don't yeah. agree with
1: it being accepted, but like, I think that... Well, that's because the erosion of discourse in our society in the first place, but... <laughs> Here that, comes a tangent. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, yeah. Sorry, continue.
0: Yeah. Um. So anyway, it was, we just have that reminder with us, but I feel like we're kind of getting off on a big tangent here. Yeah. Take me back to when looking back at your childhood, mm-hmm. when if you can pinpoint a time, did you know that you were gay and separate from that, did you accept that you were gay? Not talking about when you came out because but when did you accept it?
1: When I when I'm truthful, I have always really known and Like, I didn't know what it was. I couldn't quite define it. But I can remember, (laughs) this is going to sound kind of embarrassing, but the Sears catalog had underwear that was for sale. Gotta love that underwear section. You gotta love it. And I was like five, six, you know, young. And I can remember seeing the ladies in their bras and like that, like I didn't care. It wasn't something that I was interested in. But seeing the men in their underwear or even like men in like their pajamas, I just knew, mm, that's what I want. Fruit of the loom. Fruit of the loom. <laughs> <laughs> but it just it I always kind of had that. And then as I got older, remember high school musical when that came out? Mm-hmm. Zach Efron, you can forget about it. It still can. Still can. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need my memories. But for real though, that then I was probably 11 or 12 and I was like, wow, he is cute. And it was the first time that I actually said, I acknowledge that I found another boy attractive besides like just pining after the Sears catalog and go, <laughs> going in where I grew up, had this place called North Mart not quite a Walmart, like the Wish version of Walmart. and but it's North. I like the name. <laughs> yeah. and But they had a section there of men in their underwear. Oh, really? Yeah. So, anyway.
0: Yeah. You know what? It's very interesting because mine's kind of the same. Never being able to say what it was, but just always feeling different. Like, when I remember being in, like, grade primary and... Which is kindergarten, um, but in Nova Scotia we call it primary. But, you know, when you come home and they're like, oh, do you have a girlfriend in your class yet? And I always remember being like, in my head, no, and I don't know that I would want one. But not at the same time saying I would want a boyfriend, like I was going to be probably Miss Independent. But... I could never really figure it out. And I think it wasn't until I started to hit like eight or nine. But it's also when they started to teach sex ed in school. I think that that really, oh, squirrel, you can't hit the microphone. Sorry. <laughs> squirrel came up and tried to scratch your head on it. I think that's when things started to open up because we were fortunate that our school did touch slightly on same sex. Um, oh, it did. Just slightly. And it was wasn't talking about like how to do it or anything like that. But it said, like, I remember the health nurse who came in to teach it made a point of saying whether you're a boy and a girl, a girl and a girl or a boy and a boy. And that's when I started to realize, okay, so there is like something different.
1: But I guess that kind of speaks to what we were talking about earlier with the differences of where we grew up, because that was that is never going to be an option even any cost um nurse wasn't going to teach you that one No no <laughs> she was not Well my school until grade 6 there was the Catholic school and then I think the Protestant school was the other one like I'm I'm not that old Yeah I mean I'm in my 30s but still it it is crazy that in my lifetime that sort of it's in I, my head it's what I would think our parents experience was. And I feel like people really, because in the last 10 years, the LGBTQ plus rights have advanced so much. It is better than it was 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. But I feel like there's this complacency of it being like, oh, you're fine. It's not, you're okay now. You have the basic rights. But kids still nowadays are killing themselves because they don't feel comfortable in their own skin. Yeah. Like, do you know what I'm trying to say? I think there's always going to be work to be done, though, because
0: it's just, there's so many people that for some reason, and it, it's not just this, it has it touches on every right that there is, but a lot of people have this, this idea in their head that if someone else gets a right, that's one less right that they have. Mm-hmm. They Like it takes
1: something yeah, from them. Yeah, they don't
0: understand that you're trying to even things out for everyone Mm -hmm. and you're not taking something from, you're not robbing from Peter to pay Paul. Yeah. It still has his stuff. You're just trying to pay Paul a little bit extra so he can catch up to Peter.
1: Well, I mean, this is a whole, this is a separate (laughs) tangent itself, but the reason that that bigots do that, in my opinion, is because they they actually are having something taken from them because by you having the same rights they're not put on the same pedestal as they previously were they would have more employment opportunities they mm. they they are by you gaining rights they are losing something because they're never going to rise to your greatness or your potential because you're, you're going to work harder for it. You're going to be better. They're just going to be hateful and rotten. Like those people were to us at the fair. Yeah, Like the people that were to me when I grew up that going back to what we were talking about earlier, that like that experience of every single day, having to deal with that mentally, I had to toughen up. I had to like build this like rough exterior, even though you know how I am. Like I am a softy. A big so. softy. I am a big softy, but I had to gain that thick skin in order to get through the world. Or I was never. I it. I would have crumbled under that had I not toughened up.
0: Yeah, and I think what's interesting about you is like it's. It's not that you're like a crusty old crab, as much as I joke it's that you're guarded because you've been hurt so often. Mm -hmm. But once you get past that, I find those who are in your circle, like you will move mountains and kill people with those mountains to like help them. It's just like, got to get past that, you know? Like you don't eat the outside of a pineapple because it's too spiky, but inside it's nice and sweet.
1: But I do think though that that experience, that was helpful in helping you navigate and get through dealing with homophobia throughout your 20s. But see,
0: mine is different. So you have that guarded shell. I'm way more bubbly through life and allow people in way too easily. And I find I often get hurt worse from that. Like, do you know what I mean? Like you have that guard. And I think that's a really cool skill that you have. That's why even at work, you always did really well with Separating work from personal, where I allowed that to like bleed into my life.
1: I think it is important though to be able to. Hi, Eddie. Hi, Eddie. Do you want to come up? Do you want to come up? Eddie's our dog. He wants to come on up, Eddie. Oh, he probably knows we're talking about heavy stuff today. Oh, yeah. You can come up here. You can come Come up. Come on up. There. All right. Now that that's out of the way, the animals are all rearranged. (laughs) But yeah, going back to what we were talking about, we're. I feel like we are jumping all over the place, but it is a topic that has so many layers. And I think understanding where someone is coming from and, and their upbringing and their experience is, it's a really important piece. Yeah. So I guess going back to like our journey,
0: what was it that made you, you said it was around like 11 or 12, like what do you think was kind of the catalyst or whatever for really making you understand it? And what was that period
1: like? So that time wasn't good because like I mentioned, dealing with that homophobia every day. However, I was able to find a good group of friends pretty early on that coincidentally, almost all of them ended up being gay themselves. So I think that there was like the kind of laws of attraction, like we were there looking out for one another, but actually realizing it and saying it out loud and telling people, I met you before I ever had the confidence to share that to the world, which is kind of unbelievable in a way, but It never felt like an option, mainly because of my safety. Like, I didn't feel like coming out was a safe thing that I could do. If we hadn't have met,
0: and say you went to university, like we weren't paired and stuff, were you intending
1: to come out once you got to the city? So my plan was the old Tyler was going to die when I moved away. So are you... Trying to be a little Taylor Swift here. The old Taylor's dead. <laughs> no, the old Tyler can't come to the phone. Oh, right that's now. what it was, yeah. Because he's dead. <laughs> no, but I I made the very conscious decision that I knew I was not going to live life lying to myself anymore. If you've if you've come out of the closet, even though I hate that expression, but if that's happened to you you know what the experience is like when you're in the closet and it's really, really difficult. It To not be able to show up every day in your life, authentically you, weighs in so many different facets of your life that it eventually becomes so overwhelming. And I knew I I've done this for the last 17 years. When I leave here, I'm creating a new life for myself. However... I, I didn't come out when I was in high school. So I, I wanted to, but I didn't have the confidence to do it straight up. I just didn't feel like I owed the people that made fun of me my whole life. I didn't owe them that satisfaction of being like, yeah, you're right. (laughs) (laughs) So I waited and the summer was kind of like ticking on and on and on. And I was like, how am I going to tell my parents? Like, I didn't know what to do. And I've never told this story before, but my cousin, Greg, if you're listening to this, hey, he's probably five years older than me. And he came out in a very, very public way to his whole family, our family. He posted a photo on Facebook of him and his boyfriend kissing. And this was when Facebook was like really, really all the rage and It was wildfire in my family. Like, phone ringing nonstop. Nonstop. My dad has, I think, seven or eight siblings. I have more cousins than I can count. So it was a big, big news, a hot news item in our family. And my parents didn't care, (laughs) did not care, couldn't have cared less. They were like, that's awesome. Like, good for him. Like, well,
0: they had their priorities straight. Like, it's not their bedroom. yeah. And they got other things to worry about, like going to work, putting food on the table, like raising kids. Why do they yeah. need to be caught up in it?
1: It was, um, it was really cool, though, to see them so cool and comfortable about my cousin coming out. I was like, well, <laughs> like, how hard could it be? So, like, that night or maybe the next day i texted both of them and said like hey like i want to talk to you like i have something to to share with you and then i was like oh my gosh i can't like i can't say it in person like i really really wanted to have that moment with them where i just like sat them down and like explained everything but i couldn't i couldn't bring it t- like i was just i was so scared mm-hmm. and It's it's sad to sad to say, I don't I think I would have felt more comfortable being totally just open and honest with my parents had I not had the years and years of being called a faggot every day. And I still think about that, that all those people, they did. They took that from me because had I not been bullied so bad, I probably would have been more comfortable, but I was scared. So I, so I didn't, I still told them I like, I wrote it down and
0: I want to push back a little on that. Cause I feel like that's a burden that you shouldn't carry because I think, so I didn't tell my parents face to face either. I couldn't, I think there's a power dynamic that At that age, when you're still a teenager with your parents, there's also a maturity thing. It's a very heavy topic to discuss. There's also, as much as they were supportive, it was probably still on your mind. What if it's a different story when it's their kid? Yeah. There's so many things that even now, I'm, what, 33? I still have trouble with hard news face-to-face with people. Like, it's a hard thing to do. So I don't think that that's...
1: I'm not... And I, I want to be clear. I don't think that like writing a letter to your parents or texting them or whatever, however you decide how someone decides to come out, that's totally on them. I'm just saying from my perspective now being who I am today, I I know it's easy to look back and say, I wish that I had done it different, but I, I, I wish that I had of actually sat down and had that conversation with them. I don't know. It's it's a hard it's a hard thing, but what I was trying to say is I think that my experience growing up and all of that, it definitely influenced how I felt comfortable coming out and I wish it didn't. Would you say from the second you came out, did you feel instantly
0: confident? No, of course not. Yeah. Okay. I just want to, cause that's the same thing too. I yeah. feel as though only within the last like five, six years, maybe pushing like around the time we got married. So maybe like nine, there was a long period. Cause I came out like before you did, I was out in high school and there was a long period afterward that I was out and like acknowledged it, but I still was like shaky in my voice when I said it or, yeah. Still always worried. And I think that that kind of goes back to like telling your parents how you did versus face to face. Like it's a hard thing to even still, it takes a long time to
1: process it. Yeah. I think TV and movies make it seem like you. Yeah. Crushed down the door and like... I'm (laughs) gay!
0: And like, they're like, oh my God. And they're throwing a party. Like, it doesn't happen. People have to process things. And like,
1: it's just another... It does happen for some people, but that... I I, think it's a
0: false pressure that media puts on people as if like kids dealing with this or people of any age dealing with this don't have enough pressure that they're putting on themselves.
1: Or that by coming out, it solves all of the sort of mental health things that you're oh, struggling yeah. with. Like that's kind of what where I was getting at is like, you don't have the experience of being bullied every day or like being fearful for your safety and then just come out of the closet. And then <laughs> I don't, I'm cool now, <laughs> like all better. My gay vibes repel <laughs> the negative energy. Yeah. It just, I don't think that that's realistic and- A big part of my 20s was sort of navigating that and figuring out like who I am as a person without the expectations of religion, of the structure of my hometown and like being out on my own. I moved away when I was 17 years old and started dating you and then built an entirely different life than what I had before. It's Sometimes I think about how it's just, it's wild that I created and manifested everything that I have today by my grit. Do you think that's a big motivator motivator for you? (laughs) It's a big motivator.
0: (laughs) It's a big, big motivator. But do you think that like proving them wrong is part of, like what drives you or it, or was it
1: or? It was before. And I think a lot of people do go through that of the, how do you like me now? Like that, that sort of thing. Like wait till they see this. And that can consume you really, really quickly. I have gotten to a place now that is so beautiful where I don't care. I genuinely, and not in the like, I don't care way where you really low key do care. Yeah. I genuinely could not have less (laughs) to give. And that is, that is such a freeing and powerful thing because once you get there, no one can take anything from you. Words don't matter. Like if someone called me the F bomb now, I would be like, are you okay? (laughs) Like, For real,
0: yeah. Like, there's bigger things you can attack me for now. Like, oh yeah. Know? Like, it's I don't know. You really want to get at me? Talk about the gray hairs that are coming everywhere. <laughs> it's like <laughs> that is not the issue anymore.
1: Yeah. So, but tell me about your experience. Tell me what coming out was like for you and your sort of like realization. How you got there.
0: Um. So, I guess like I said, there like it started to click that there was something else, and I think for years. I wavered back and forth of being, yes, I'm gay. And then even myself, I'd be like, no, it's just a phase. And then go back and like, be like, no, I'm going to like, I'm going to marry a woman. I'm going to marry a woman. I'm going to have that white picket fence. I'm going to marry a woman. And it just like, it wasn't, it was this internal battle that I felt for a long time. Like I would say from probably, (laughs) it's weird because like I had a happy childhood, but like, it's on the back of your mind. But at the same time, I think it helped me because whatever I was doing, I threw myself into it so I didn't have to think about it. I said I wasn't going to cry, man. Um, <laughs> we all knew that wasn't going to yeah. happen. <laughs> so I think it also helped me as a motivator. It Like schooling, I did really well at school because I would rather study than sit down mm. and like
1: deal with what I had to deal with. And like, so- Do you mean you you threw yourself into that as, into like a way to dis- as a distraction? Yeah, like
0: I always was up to something. It was also my parents wanted me to keep busy too. So like we always had to be in a sport, but there was times where like sports would overlap and I thrived in that time. And same as when I turned 16 and I could, or 15, and I, whenever it was that I could start working at the pool, teaching swimming lessons, I did that as one more thing on top of everything else that I was doing just to keep myself busy. And then I decided to act on things. I and it's weird because I had come, I had accepted it about a year before I came out. I would say so around fourteen or fifteen, and I was really close to um telling someone, but I chickened out. And then I I sat with it for a bit, and I wish that I had of um because what the way I came out. I'm thankful now, but I decided to act on it and that person told someone and it started to spread. So I felt, I... alright, <laughs> it's weird because it's one thing I felt, the only thing in my life that was taken from me, but I felt I owed it to my parents and my friends that it came from me. so. I wrote a letter to my parents, and that's how I came out. And Deb. (laughs) (laughs) Next question. Next question, please. No, So
1: really, like, the reason that this is emotional, just to, like, provide some context, is because you didn't get to come out, you were outed. But it wasn't like
0: a full outing, but I knew that it
1: was going to happen.
0: Like, it was a matter of
1: time. You wouldn't have... No, don't discredit it for what it was. You would not have come out when you did. You came out because you were going to be outed and you, you didn't want your parents to find out from somebody else. That wasn't your choice.
0: Yeah. 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 I mean, also, I shouldn't... If, uh, no. You don't, you yeah. don't
1: have to, you don't have to like make excuses
0: or. I just, yeah. But I just, and I get what you say too about like wishing that you had have like said it. But like, I just, I couldn't tell my parents mm-hmm. because if they asked.
1: But if what... you, if you had of if you had have been able to do it on your own terms and not rush to tell them, maybe you would have. And I mean, hindsight, it's always 2020. That's. Like, you can't change what it was, but it's not fair. It's not fair for somebody else to ever, ever out someone. It doesn't matter what the circumstances are. It That's what really this is. But at go- the
0: same time, I can see it because this other person, like, they were figuring things out for themselves, too. And they were talking to a friend. And it's just like, it's, it's a serious thing for people to... that that don't have full brain function to Mm -hmm. navigate through. And like, it's not fair for them to have to sit on it either. I don't... And that's the thing I want to preface. I'm not mad about how it happened. And I probably was very close to telling my parents it just happened a little bit sooner. But that's okay. Like, I think that it actually helped me because I was then... Once my parents knew, so... I was always in therapy because my parents just really believed in it. I had a hard time when my grandfather passed. God damn it. <laughs> we're just, we're just opening, opening box after box oh here God. today, guys. <laughs> he said, you're like, <laughs> instead of opening the cereal bag this way, you're just taking a knife down the center. Um, but once I was able to tell my parents, I was actually then able to start telling my therapist. I couldn't even talk. I didn't feel comfortable talking about it with Maureen. thats My therapist, Either knows she was with us until we moved to Edmonton. Um, but once I um, told them, I was then able to tell her. Mm-hmm. And then I was actually able to work through a lot of things. And I think that's why, like, I... When I say I wasn't confident in that I was gay for a long time after coming out... It wasn't with myself. It was I was always nervous of how someone was going to react or the safety thing. But internally, I, I worked through that really quickly mm-hmm. once I did come out. And I'm glad that I did because it gave me a really, really fun last two years of high school. Because I didn't have that pressure and that secret. I was the gay kid in school. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. I went on to... I had great relationships with my friends. I had like... What I I had boyfriends, like I had a good experience. And so that's why I'm not mad. It actually helped me. As weird as that sounds. And maybe I'm just rationalizing it. But I don't know. I think it was it was helpful. It's just it's a hard thing to navigate at such a young age. And it's really, really unfortunate that it happens and that some people just put pressure on it, whether it's outing someone or a religious
1: pressure or... I just think that there's a really healthy... Un- hold on, let me get this right. <laughs> I think that there's a really unhealthy obsession with people's sexuality and gender identity and all of it. it. What somebody else does with their life and how they choose to live their life has absolutely zero impact on you. It doesn't matter if... It's your sister, your brother, your child. All that matters is that that person, every single day when they wake up, they're living a happy, authentic life. We are all going to die. Nothing matters except waking up and being happy.
0: Oh, yeah. Point blank. Yeah. And if it's not your bedroom... Don't worry about it. Because yeah. honestly, I'm sure there's some straight couples out there that are doing way freakier oh. stuff in the sheets than you and I that we should be you, concerned about, you know? You want to know something. <laughs> we should be praying for their souls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mm. my. So, yeah. What would you say, like having gone through all this, having our, having had our tears, what would you give as a piece of advice, like, what is the one thing that helped you get through it, realize that something was going to change? Or, like, what advice would you give to someone in your shoes? Like, you go back to little, little Tyler back in Labrador. Oh, one piece of advice? Or it doesn't have to be advice, but, like, what was your strategy? What,
1: what can you give someone to help them? I think... When you're in a situation like that, getting everyone, again, everyone is different, but getting a really, really good education and throwing yourself into school, when you made that point earlier, it never occurred to me, but I did the same thing. Like I never, education was always an exit strategy for me and, and Being able to like channel all the negative that was going on in my life by just doing really good at math, writing the best essays I could, doing all of those things, knowing that that is going to give me a ticket out of here and to something more. Because let me tell you, when you go to college and you go to university, you are surrounded. You are surrounded by like-minded people. Yes, there are people that are probably homophobic that go to college, but (laughs) it's way way
0: less. It depends on the school you're going to. There's obviously liberal versus conservative schools. We went to a school here that was very liberal. I still remember we worked at... I don't think schools in Canada aren't... um, They're not political like that. I mean, like, some of them have, like, Christian schools that would have...
1: Yeah, but that's not the same thing. Like, that's... I wouldn't say that. Oh, see,
0: that's what I meant by, like, more conservative views on, like lgbtq and stuff oh okay, versus yeah. like where,
1: I, I heard it like politically no, i see what, like if you're saying like a like a christian school be, yeah that's oh, what yeah, they're yeah, kind yeah. of okay. like their background we is. don't have that here though
0: no not on this side but out west there were a couple um christian universities oh wow i didn't know that. yeah so but i still remember when we got engaged and we were working at the campus bar like It wasn't a thing. Even all the line cooks, because we both worked at the bar together, thought it was the best thing ever, wanted to see the ring, were congratulating us. Like it it was a whole different experience. But I think that's what like you're so right about the education. But I just want to say it doesn't necessarily have to be focusing on school. If you're good at music, focus on find an outlet. Like there is a way out. You just have to find it. And so if that's school, if that's Maybe you're the best poet there is or yeah. you
1: become a rower. Hone, hone whatever craft it is. Just focus on it
0: because you're going to be the best at it and you're going to get through.
1: I do want to say one like really specific example, though, was when I moved away my first year of university, I moved into this residence. At, it was in at Dalhousie University. It was called Fountain was the name of the residence. And I went to like one of my first kind of college parties, I guess, where everyone's just like drinking and, you know, you know how college parties get. It's residents. It's residents. And there was somebody that was a guest of one of the first year students and they, they weren't in university. So this guy, it was basically one of the girls that lived on my fl- floor. Her boyfriend didn't go to our school. He wasn't in school at all. And he came in from like the community and was staying with her for the night Anyway, at the party, he referred to me as the F-bomb. And all of the other guys that were there, all of the university guys were like, he needs to leave right now. Like they were going to beat him up, like actually beat him up. And I had only known them for a couple of days. And it was that transition of like... A few weeks ago, being in my small hometown where everyone was calling me that to now all of these like big, like buff soccer players and volleyball players, like all the like athletes are coming to my defense was it completely like flipped what my perception was because I... If, I, if that experience didn't happen to me, I think I would still paint people with, like, broad strokes. Like, if you're a hockey player, you're probably going to make fun of me and be homophobic. But that's so, like, that's so not true. Imagine that. People are nuanced. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this just in. <laughs> <ended. laughs> but when you have that experience, though, of if you're a jock, you're going to want to beat me up and make fun of me. Yeah. So it's fair to assume so I stay safe that everyone that's like that. And I think that that's a really common experience that people in LGBTQ plus community have where you're so traumatized from being abused for so long that it makes you, it gives you that hard outer shell to protect yourself, but it also walls you off from all these beautiful experiences that you could be having because you're just trying to protect yourself. Do you know, you know what I mean? And I was, I did that to myself for so long. And now that I've gotten to the place where I just don't care anymore, I'm able to have these beautiful connections with people that I may disagree with. Maybe you're incredibly religious and, you know, that doesn't mean that you're going to hate me.
0: Yeah. I think that's what I have come to actually really love about the human experience is that I can have a conversation with someone who's a clone of me and have all the exact same beliefs but I'm not going to learn anything from that conversation. Mm-hmm. But if even if we disagree on one thing, I I don't like when you when it turns to an argument. Yeah. I think there's a real cool way that even when you're disagreeing, you should always come away with one new point from a conversation with someone that disagrees with you and like it even if you still don't end up agreeing, at least you can start to understand where they're coming from and like the lens that they're um, viewing the world from.
1: Yeah, we all have such different experiences and perspectives. I took that, I know where
0: this came from. Remember, I took that course called Social and Emotional Intelligence? No. Oh, well, it was a course and it was all about conflict management and how to, rather than, because they always said, like, If someone's escalating, you escalate with them and then you bring them back down to like, so they mimic you. For the
1: adoption approval?
0: No, this was something for work I took so that I could better manage um, conflict and stuff. And basically, it was a really cool course. And I got a book out of it that I ended up reading. But it was about when you're having a disagreement, always trying to understand where that other person is coming from. Because if they're upset... Clearly they're upset about something that's important to them. So why is it important Mm. to them? Trying to get that understanding of the why, not just the what. And I find that that's really cool. What I like about conversations now is like trying to understand.
1: Their perspective. Yeah. Like from where they're. Because
0: everyone, everyone can look at the picture, the exact same picture, but come away with a different meaning from it.
1: Yeah. I think though the world is really missing out on a lot of apathy we don't have that anymore. We are so society, you don't everyone's in their lane. If if you don't if you disagree with somebody on one thing, then they're in another lane and everyone is just going 100 miles an hour basically alone. And why why can't we disagree anymore and it not be personal? Why yeah. can't we just say that's that was your experience from all of your, you know, life, and this is where I am, and that's okay. Yeah. And I still respect you, and I'll still hold the door for you, and I'll still ask you how your day was.
0: It just goes back, I think, though, like, everyone just thinks that, like, I think there's this perception that give and take, people feel they do more giving. Like, they're not really (laughs) – they're not getting anything back. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think society has just become – a thing where everyone is out for themselves. Do you prefer to give or take? I prefer whichever because I'm just
1: amicable. (laughs) I'm just such a generous person. (laughs) Whatever
0: the room's going, we'll go with. (laughs) So, oh, I don't know. There's no easy way through it. Basically, everyone's experience is going to be different. But I think that's what's beautiful about our community and why it's such a fun and welcoming space, whether you're an LGBTQ plus member or an ally. Like everyone's been through so much shit that we're not going to stir it up. Like we're done with that part. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, come on in the more, the merrier it's cozy in here. (laughs) Well, I feel like we went on a few tangents and down a couple rabbit holes on that one. And I don't know if it really makes sense, but that's just kind of our experience and what we went through and everyone's
1: journey is going to be different. So I feel like we could really go even deeper on each of our experiences with our parents and how it all was, but maybe we'll save that for another episode for now. It's time for some tea.
0: Okay, so Tea Time is where you send in a situation that you either find yourself in, you have heard, overheard at work, or any scandalous thing. Send it to us anonymously at tylerandtodd.com slash podcast, and then we'll read it on here and give you our advice, whether it's good, bad, legal, we don't know. Take it or you don't.
1: (laughs) We've seen already, you probably shouldn't take our advice, but we're here for another one. Are you ready? Ready. Okay. My boyfriend's ex-wife is 20 years older than him, has some failing health issues, and because she has no local family, she still lives with him. As a result, I have never been to his house. For the past nine months, we would meet at restaurants, movie theaters, or at my place. He's a great guy. The situation is the only blemish on the relationship, but I'm growing tired of it. Wow. Um, That's really hard. Not really. She's got to
0: go. It's weird. I get she's got some failing health, but like if this is going to be controversial, I totally disagree. So she's holding him back from being able to like experience love again and going to sacrifice like this potential relationship over someone. I get it. I totally get it. If maybe it's hard because like I picture of you and I divorce, like it is not going to be good, you know, Yeah, because you're petty. Petty and hateful. I would cut the couch in half and we
1: each get half. But yeah, meanwhile, if see, I, the reason that I feel, (laughs) yeah, this is the, this is the real tea. The reason that we disagree on this is because I would do that for you. If you, if we got divorced, say, right, and something happened to you, it doesn't matter the terms of our divorce. I, the love that I have for you is, it's so deep beyond just being married to you that I would do that for you. Even if I was in another relationship, that other relationship I would put on the back burner because I grew up with you. I'm who I am because of you. And they were together for 20 years.
0: No, she's 20 years older. We don't know how long they've been together. We don't
1: know that. And Hmm.
0: like, it's very, I, I get what you're saying. And if we broke up, I would always be there if you needed me, but you're not going to be like on a respirator on my couch when I'm trying to find love again.
1: Do you know what I mean? Like you're raw dogging it in the back room and I'm (laughs) huffing for air on a respirator. Just the beep, beep, (laughs) beep.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I, I would say like if he's not willing to move on,
1: you should. (laughs) I feel my official advice is it's hard because you, unless you fully know the depth, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier about being more apathetic and like trying to understand the why of someone's decision and being in their shoes. There's clearly a reason. It probably has nothing to do with the fact that he doesn't want to be with you or doesn't love you. Play it
0: long term. So if if she hasn't even been over to his... Um, apartment or okay. house how are they ever going to cross that point in their relationship when they move in together like when Sally kicks the bucket probably or is Sally going to be on her couch now <laughs> like do you know what I mean the more the merrier <laughs> like I think you if you want to start a new relationship you need to be clean of the old one yeah but he shouldn't have gone looking either if she's still there
1: like unless you can it's, it's complicated I think I
0: don't know it's messy It's messy That was some good tea though It was It's also why I'm just going to stick it out with you till death Because I can't be caught in these messy situations And I can't be going back out there dating The games are different now
1: It's a different world out there whole different world Online The Tinder of it all Couldn't do it The grinder of it all Couldn't do it Mm -mm. No This torso is not going (laughs) to attract no one You got me Yeah well Better hold on to you (sighs)
0: anyway this has been another great episode thank you all so
1: much for tuning in again yeah we're really enjoying also sharing these live so we're posting new episodes every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern and we watch the episode with you and chat with you all in the comments on YouTube so try and join us live one time it's really fun
0: yeah so we will see you next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern and have a great week bye